Are you a sneakerhead? Yeah, boy! A baller? Ballin'. Want to know about the hottest brands you can lace up and run with? Well, get ready, because we got all the details right here. Nice take by James. Oh, he stops! LeBron James puts it down in the face of James Johnson. Kevin Durant way outside. Delivers! Kevin Durant from downtown. It's a six-point game. And it goes off to Kobe. Good to ride Kobe underneath. Puts his nose on the line again. Makes the basket. He's fouled. Oh, what a play. And Kobe, after he was fouled, after the ball nestled in the net, he waved to a cameraman down in front. Says, take my picture, baby. Sixers running the break. Iverson accelerating to the jam. It's kicks and bricks where we got game on the streets, and on the court. Money's gotta be the shoes. Shoes, shoes, shoes. shoes. You sure it's not the shoes? I'm sure, Mars. Money's gotta be the shoes. And here's your host, Jamel Cutler. What up, what up? Welcome to Kicks. Today we have my boy from the West Coast, R&B singer, Elijah Blake. What's up, bro? How you doing? What's happening, man? All is well. Look, I gotta correct you. I live in the West Coast, but I'm from the East, but well, the South, Florida. Oh, you from Florida, Miami? Yep, Palm Beach County. But everybody, every time I say Palm Beach County, niggas be like, what's that? So I gotta say Miami, man. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. You kind of sound like it. You, you kind of have the accent. You hear it a little bit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It come in and out. Like, if I'm around my family, then it gets hella, like, country. But then uh, other than that, like, I can kind of, like, disguise it pretty well. All right, man. So first of all, congrats on the new album, Neon Eon. Like, are you happy with the way that the album's been received so far? Thank you, man. Yes, I'm. I couldn't be happier. I, I feel like I finally got my team. Like I've always admired how people like Travis Scott and like um, I wouldn't even necessarily just say Travis, but like Drake and um, who else would I say moves? Tyler the Creator. Like they kind of move in this indie structure where it's just them and the team, and less traditional major label does everything, and they're not hands on and. So this project, I felt like I put together my team. Like, so when I was on Rock Nation, Jen Duke handled my marketing, but I always loved how she dealt with artists on a day-to-day between myself, Cole, Rihanna, and um, who else? She was dealing with Melanie Fiona. And I just love that. So now with this go around, I was like, okay, Jen, I need you. Natalie Gooday, I've always thought she just was an incredible publicist and just how she carried herself. And also, like, I think it's there is power in a beautiful woman walking in a room and representing you so natalie made sense peter thea was actually like the co-president of def jam when i was signed there and he was one of the few people that i felt like wasn't affected by all the bs so he now manages me so this is kind of like a team that i've cultivated throughout my journey with dealing with terrible people and good people and i've kind of like paid attention to the good people the good guys in the game and now that team is structured around that i'm really proud of it all right, so like telling meaningful stories is like a central theme like throughout your um, music. Like mm-hmm. for those of us who haven't listened to the album yet, like what type of themes um, can we expect on Neon Eon? So the intro track is probably in my, maybe sometimes, depending on what day you ask me, Caramel Carousel mm-hmm. might be my favorite song on the album, just because I learned through COVID, I was in a relationship during quarantine and I realized that a lot of people just are coexisting. They're not really in love. Relationships have kind of become more transactional. So it's like 
I, I'm with you just because I'm comfortable here. We've built a house together. We share bank accounts or whatever, but I don't necessarily like you. I love you, but I don't necessarily like you. So be, people have been able to disguise that with a fly by nights, two ships passing in the night type relationship where, okay, I go to work nine to five and you might go to work six to 10. So we really only got to deal with each other's mess one to two hours um, throughout the day. And it's easy, to, but when you got to be stuck in the house with somebody, for like nine to 10 months at a time, 24 hours in the whole world is shut down. You really learn things about yourself, your triggers, your trauma. And I realized love is a choice daily. I got to decide every, I have to choose to love you every morning. You have to choose to fall back in love, fall deeper in love with me every morning. So that's why I love that song. Cause it's saying you make me want to fall in love over and over and over. Like I, I choose when I wake up in the morning, I'm choosing this again. You get what I'm saying? And plus on that track, um, Casanova, I mean, um, Caramel Casanova, it was like a lot of Prince like influence throughout yeah. that song, like with the guitars. Um, was that by design to pay to to pay um to pay homage to him? Oh, for sure, for sure. Like that's the whole. I was I brought in live instrumentation because I'm like, even though I want the modern drums and I want those more modern cadences, I still want to stay true to the people that made me fall in love with music. And I love the wailing guitars that Prince used to do. And I love the, the, the drum breaks that it goes into and those chords like Purple Rain that just move you and you feel that shit in your heart. So yeah, Caramel Carousel for me is definitely like an homage to like artists like Prince that inspired me. You know, and the font that you use on the album cover kind of reminded me of um, the Purple Rain album cover like like the old one from back in the day. Ah, um, that's a good catch. And that, that was, yeah. a, I just was going through different Fox that reminded me of the Neon EM, but that's so dope that now you make me want to go back and look at the font and compare it to the Purple Rain font. Yeah, it kind of looks similar, but it looks remixed to fit nice. today. Nice. I'm, I'm all down for that, man. And do you feel like people today don't put as much thought and creativity into album covers anymore? No, it's heartbreaking. Yeah, because yeah. stream, but that shit lives forever. So I think now, because back then you would hear a song and not know what the cover art was. I, I would imagine, I would imagine when my mother or father was listening to Tupac, they didn't know what the artwork for that single was. They were hearing it on the radio. Radio was a bigger deal, or just through the but now it's like when you're streaming something on Spotify, when you're streaming on Apple Music, you gotta stare at that artwork for three minutes. So I think it's just as important, if not more important. I just think people are lazy because the attention span has become so short with social media, but artwork is so important to me because it sets the tone of what the song is gonna sound like. Before I hear what the new Drake record is and what the new Kanye record is, I kind of, in my mind, have subconsciously made an assumption based off of what the art, the texture of that is. And one thing I miss about like album covers and like CD and the CD era was like the actual booklet. Because mm -hmm. like the booklet will give you like um it'll take you like on a journey in itself like on tupac's machiavelli album that booklet was a was basically an album to itself basically now you see are uh, you give me some and, gems check that out yeah so like that's one thing i miss from um back in the day yeah i definitely i i missed yeah. the book and i used to love seeing who engineered who who mixed this record all oh, did they you know like who cleared um Biggie's uh, 
verse on this song. Like, you know what I mean? Like stuff like that. Who played guitar on this record? Who's the one who did the drums and where the live strings are? What is that an orchestra or is it all that stuff, man? It's just like, it's heartbreaking, but I'm glad I got to experience. I'm a nineties baby. So I'm glad I caught the tail end. Yeah, man. And back in the day, my friends, they used to like take down that, take down the addresses that was on the back of the booklets and like go to like the actual labels and like, and basically hustle their music there. So like, that's something like the new generation kind of missed out on too. Exactly, man. I just think that the hunger was different back then. Mm-hmm. All right. So kind of like going back to Prince, like if you can sample like one song that he did and like kind of apply it to a 2000, like 22 type of vibe, like what song would it be? Man, to me, it's going to always be Purple Rain just because at the end, you know, like in the 90s, like their records, like the best part, and I learned this from Troy Taylor, um, he would say like in the 90s, it was kind of like a thing where like as the song is fading, that's when the singer would do their highest note or like when Jodeci and Kate or, or Jodeci or like whoever would really like let go and you're like, oh shit, I wish I could hear the end, but it's like fading. So at the end of Purple Rain, like just you think the song is so incredible, you think that they, it can't get any better than that's when Prince hits you with the like that to me i want to do something with that or just like that shit just resonates so and then the guitar like that shit is just like amazing to me how about hendrix um i think a lot of people would um would dig his music if if somebody sampled it today for sure for sure and you know the, the funny thing is my um, infatuation with Hendrix is more so, so my infatuation with Prince is stylistically and musically and his songwriting. But my um, appreciation for Hendrix was more um, how he dressed and how he wore the clothes. I just was always interested in how he presented himself. You know, it just wasn't how, when I look at, I, I wasn't born in that era, but when I look at how Black men photographed it just was like when Hendrix had on he could wear that shit today and still be ahead of, ahead of his time so to be that far ahead of your time then his mind just had to be somewhere else like the military jackets and um and just you know just how he presented himself was just like wow like I love the fact that he's he was comfortable enough to set himself apart um, so early when segregation was such a big thing and people were just so used to seeing black people one way, you know? Prior to this interview, I was digging in the crates since I know that you was a big Hendrix guy. Yeah. And um, I, I came across Janis Joplin. I don't know if you heard of her. I love she that. Was like, yeah, she was from back in the day. I love that. Like, um, would you ever like sample one of her songs? Because like, to me, like, all right, so bet. If I close my eyes and just heard her song and just heard her singing, mm-hmm. to me mm-hmm. she sounds like a black woman, like Adele. Like if you close the eyes and listen to her sing, you won't think that she's white. So yeah, Janice, that grit, that grunginess to her tone, like it was so raw. I, her voice gives me chills. It just gives me chills because I feel that pain. And yeah, it it, it is there. It's it's ambiguous in that way. And I, I yeah, I love Janice. All right, so Keisha Cole, she's another um, frequent collaborator from you, um, and she's also on your new album. Um, yeah. What type of artist is Keisha? 
to you? And like, do you have any like funny stories with her? Keisha, um, freaking collab- collaborator doesn't even begin to um, explain my relationship with Keisha. I don't know that there is another person in the music industry who I am closer to than Keisha. There is this, we fight like family. We love like fam, like blood. Like it's just like when she had COVID, I pulled up to her crib. I was like, I don't care if I get sick. I'm just gonna make sure you got your tea and you good because you got kids. Um, when my grandmother died, she was calling me every day when I didn't want to talk to nobody. She was like, you don't talk to me. I just, I just need to hear your voice and make sure you good. Um, it's, it's so, there's so many layers of mine and Keisha's relationship to the point where we're so close. Like when we have our own personal relationships, our significant others are intimidated by our relationship. <laughs> and it's like, we've literally like ended, that's how big and important uh-huh is to each other yeah it's it's just so <laughs> so just watching but i've always sort of like you know you don't see it but the way that your impact is has been set up i don't know if there's been another woman in r&b that speaks to black women like you do other than mary j blige there is some reason for some reason the way that black women trust keisha cole and mary j blige it's forever. And this is why Keisha hasn't put out an album in so many years that she's on the shade room every day. The shade room is not posting her as a favor. She's not paying them. She's not even signed to a label. They're doing this because it's relevant to culture and conversation amongst black girls who are nine years old to black women who are 60 years old. You know, that's how effective she is in that culture. Girls, she, she introduced the whole crazy hair coloring and and just took it to another level like and she just is a she's just a pioneer for like a lot of the things that are happening now you like you know you, how you see the colored wigs all over the place and all that mm-hmm. stuff like really wasn't nobody really doing that till Keisha came on the scene like the red and the blonde and like the mixing and now you can't every female rapper kind of has like a red and blonde wig or just those type of things of course Nikki came and did it and rapped to another thing but I'm just in terms of how Keisha of impacted um, culture. I don't think she gives herself enough credit for that. Big facts, man. And she's such a dope singer. I forgot what song it was I was listening to, but by the end of it, she had me thinking like, damn, I, I'm not shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and she's affected my songwriting because I, I grew up mm-hmm. just being poetic. I love poetry. And I love metaphors and I love to be deep. And, you know, and she would, you know, she would just tell me, like, it's cool. She was like, I love how metaphoric you are. She was like, You're, you paint pictures with your words. She was like, but sometimes just telling them, telling the motherfucker what it is, just cut dry is more effective than all that other weird deep shit. So I've gotten a balance because when I work with her, she'd be like, nah, give me that deep shit. Give me that metaphoric shit. But she still keeps it true to herself. And then now when I write my songs, I'd be like, nah. This is one of them lines where Keisha would be like, nah, just keep it cut dry. So I hear her voice in my head when I write. Like you mentioned like poetry, like do you listen to like um, Gil Scott Heron or Poor Righteous Teachers? Because Gil to me Scott like those yes. precursors, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I, I like I'd say, like I used to write poetry, like before I was, when I was too young to have a job, but I wanted to help my mom out with bills. In Florida, like poetry, jams are a big thing and you win money and there's no age limit you know so i would mm-hmm. i learned to just be the best with my words because then i can enter these contests and win the money that was in the hat you know what i mean so um 
and you hear that in my songwriting and my storytelling. But again, the whole point now with, with the Neon Eon is all my projects, my past projects were so deep. And those are necessary, too, in an industry where a lot of people ain't saying shit, but getting drunk and doing lean in a club. I think that those I'm not knocking those projects because I feel like that's what helped me. And that's what said, OK, this is what Elijah has to offer. But with this project, I, I wanted to bring those two worlds together and just really communicate to a different demographic, like somebody like you or my little brother who just might just want to feel a vibe, you know what I mean? And not feel like they're being preached to, you know? So, yeah. You mentioned Lean and the strip clubs. I think the first time I heard one of your songs was actually in the strip club. Um, it was from um, Games Jesus Peace album. Wow, I thought you were going to say the record I just wanted with Days Love, but that's, yeah, Game, Game and Ross arm around me very early man and it, it helped a lot and I, I can't thank those guys enough actually all right so like you feature like a lot of new artists on your album like why do you think it's important to feature and um put the up-and-coming artists in a prominent spotlight because of uh, I've done that because and sometimes my team doesn't always get it they're like why did you put this person on the song but it's like I remember like when Ross told me he was gonna keep me on presidential Cause when he did it, I was like, okay, I was like, man, I was like, Usher gonna kill us when he sing it, or or Trey gonna kill us when he sing it. He was like, what are you talking about? Like, I'm leaving you on the record. I was like, huh? He was like, the thing about being a boss is you doing shit first, not you following it after the shit and got hot. So I always wondered, damn, is he gonna play this for his A and R, and they gonna like say take this nigga off of it and put somebody else on it? So with these new artists was on my record, I know it meant a lot to them to just you know. I, like I said, I always want to do for somebody else what I wish niggas did for me coming up in the game. Big facts, man. And yeah. like, in addition to, you know, being a um, singer, like you're also a ghostwriter. And as yeah. a ghostwriter, like, do you think there's more pressure, you know, writing for stars like Rihanna or Usher or whoever it may be? Um, so I'll, so to rely the, the, on you for their next hit? Yeah, so, you know, I wouldn't necessarily call it Ghostwriting, but I have done ghostwriting because there are a lot of songs that have come out when I was early starting off and, you know, I was so broke and I just didn't want to go home and tell my mom because she would have been like, why are they not feeding you and come home and go to college? So I did do ghostwriting coming up where I was like, just do a hook for, for somebody, you know, for like maybe $500 or something like that. But like with Rihanna, credit, credit to Rihanna and um the artist and justin bieber it, it's not necessarily i wouldn't call it that because my name is in the credits and i've gotten properly compensated for that so and like i said like i loved helping them tell their stories too a lot of people always say oh why did you give extra climax and i always have to tell them like i didn't give him that song the song was never to mine to begin with i was flown to new york to be a part of a collaborative effort to bring something, I felt like R&B really needed it at the time. And it took somebody like Usher to bring it to life. Wasn't nobody gonna be trying to hear Climax coming from a new nigga when everything is like David Guetta and Calvin Harris and like, there's no way, you know what I mean? Like, it sounds mm -hmm. far-fetched for us to say it now, like, because the song was such a big hit, but like, can you imagine like if just your, the, Jimmy from down the street would have put that song on SoundCloud, niggas would it took somebody like Usher who has been that, respected in R&B for us to trust them to come and slow the tempo down a little bit because everything was so fast prior to that song. And since that song came out, R&B has been in the forefront. It, I think I really believe wholeheartedly, and I'm not taking all the credit for it. I'm just saying 
Usher, Diplo to come together. Those two worlds, Diplo was in the dance world, which was like the big thing. And Usher was like such a staple in the R&B community. When those two worlds com combined, it created this genre that is everything right now, which is the, the Bryson Tillers, the Scissors, the Weekends, and you know what I mean? That type of atmosphere, it wasn't as, I'm not saying nobody wasn't doing it before, but when that song became a, such a big hit, it made labels and the powers that be understand like, okay, there's um, a lane for this genre to be a thing. What was those studio sessions like with Usher or, or Rihanna? Because to me, I think like, that's like hitting the big time after, you know, yeah. kind of playing in the minor leagues for a while. Did you, were you like intimidated any, like being around them? The funny thing is I'm Caribbean. So it's like, it does, I was just having this conversation yesterday. It don't even cross my mind. Like I haven't met, not Beyonce, like, and these are people like, I say Beyonce not as a knock, but if anybody's gonna intimidate me, it might be like Beyonce or like, you know, or Hope or Kanye, but me, for me, from when I was on Rock Nation and was around them all the time to mm -hmm. being in a studio with Usher around, like I, intimidation never crossed my mind. It was always like, I belong here. And I don't know if that's the, um, if that's the Caribbean, confidence in me where it's like no matter if I walk in a room I don't care if whoever's if, if whoever if Obama's in that room I feel like I belong in this room you know what I mean and and, and I think that's what has afforded me the blessing to arise to the situation or to the challenge as opposed to like say you know, me being like starstruck or like oh shit and fumbling the ball you know what I mean all right, so right now, like, versus is a big thing right now. Like, um, I just seen Anita, not Anita Baker. Or was it her? No, I think it's Sean and Stephanie Mills, yeah, she, right? Yeah, yeah. I think um, they're going to be doing a versus soon. If you can do a versus against anybody, like, who would you pick? Damn, that's a really good question. I'm trying to think of who's had a new artist that has come out that's had, like, just as much success on the songwriting side as um, the artistry side, a la like how Babyface, like that's what, I think that's what was so fun about Babyface's verses. And it's because like, he was able to pull out things from the vault that he wrote and also he had hits on his own. You know what I mean? Records on his own that was like killing. I'm just trying to think of who is like a, you know, I would love to do one with, um, she's actually on the album Money Long. She um, was, formerly known as um, Priscilla Renee. But people don't know, they're always like, they're thinking she's a new artist, but she like wrote California King Bed for Rihanna. She wrote some songs for Chris Brown and she's really kind of having like a dope moment right now um, as an artist. And uh, I, there's so much mutual respect and love and we kind of came up together. So that would be like a really cool and fun one because I love when I when, when people see her on my track list and like, who's that? And I'm just like, if you only knew to pull up this girl's discography, like it's no joke, you know? And that's really mm -hmm. fun because I've learned with myself, a lot of people who know Elijah Blake, the artist, they don't know that I wrote for Usher, Rihanna, or Justin Bieber, or Trey. And then a lot of those people, sadly, but it's lately because of the success of this project and like the recent songs, it's, it's less. But there was a time where people would just know Elijah Blake, the songwriter, and didn't know my music, my personal music. You know what I mean? So those two worlds, the, the art of bringing them. And I used to kind of, it used to stress me out a little bit, but then I would think, I was like, well, no, that's just the lane of artists that I'm in because Lauryn Hill didn't have to choose about being a songwriter or 
a singer. She wrote all her own music, told her own stories. And people didn't know that she wrote all that I can say for Mary J. Blige. Like she was getting them all. And sometimes I feel like society makes you feel like you have to pick, do you want to be a singer? You want to be a songwriter? It was like, it's my art. It's like telling a painter that you want to paint in color or only paint in black and white. He's like, you can do both. That's a part of his art. Are there painters that only paint in black and white? Yes. Are there painters that only paint in color? Yes. That doesn't make them less of an artist than the, uh, an artist that can paint in both as well, you know? I think Lauren Hill, if she did a versus, would be um, would be pretty dope. But I don't think she'll like actually show up to do it. <laughs> we be sitting on that live for a long time. <laughs> but the this that just the how many she just the impact she was able to make off that one album is amazing. And I think that Lauren would be an interesting person to do a verse with because she has the Fuji's catalog as well. You know who I think would be good in the verses too, but like a lot of mainstream people don't really know about her is um is um Corinne Bailey Ray. She's from oh, yeah. she's she's from England, I think. Mm-hmm. She's great. I I have she uh, uh uh shoulder. What's it? It's, it's that song. I just know about two or three songs from her, but yeah, so, But you can't go for me. Up against, but I know the only. The only person I feel like that can go up against Mary and put up a good fight, because me and some of my, we, I was at a town one time, and me and like some of my friends did like a mock versus where we we played what they should play. Um, mm-hmm. I think it would really be a formidable opponent. Tony Braxton would be a formidable opponent for Mary J. Blige. All right, so like if you can choose any artist from any genre, past or present, to do a versus, dead or alive, like who would you go with? I would get smoked because the people I love, but um. For them two to go up against each other, yeah, not me. Thank God, girl. I'm like, that's like you set me up for failure. Um, I would have loved to see Prince and Michael. Prince, like, I don't think he would ever do a versus, but you know why I think he might because he's so competitive and the, the way that he really just was one of the only people in the around that town to be like yeah like that's michael but i'm prince like no one really everybody else had this energy where it's like don't even like this and of course it's freaking michael jackson but there was there is a certain amount of respect that you kind of had to have for prince to be like are you crazy for thinking it's like the kanye effect right because it's like no one should really say and rap that they're better than hove but I think Kanye said it out loud enough times with such vigor that niggas was kind of like, well, is he better than Hope? And it made you look at his catalog and to where some people were like, you know what? If you really want to compare it, then it brings, and I feel mm-hmm. like Prince was one of the people that had that energy, like, yeah, he's Michael, but I'm Prince. So seeing a versus with them would be like, would be earth shattering if that would have ever happened. You know, and you mentioned like he is an ultra competitive dude. Like I heard stories about Prince playing um, basketball, hooping. Like, um, yeah. since you're like out on the West Coast, um, are you a Lakers guy? Because I know a, a lot of people out there, they're on the Lakers train right now. Man, I've been a even before I lived in LA. I, I've been a Lakers fan since when I was like a little kid, and all I liked about the Lakers was their colors. Then I became a, the biggest Kobe Bryant fan, and then so I, I've I've always so the fact that now like the Lakers got Bron and then like I'm. A, Super Lakers fan. Besides Kobe, like who's some of your all-time favorite Lakers? It would definitely be, of course, like when Shaq was over there. Uh-huh. 
honestly, it was always Kobe for me. I have other players, but they weren't just the, the Lakers. Like, I would say, um, I feel like Tracy McGrady is criminally underrated. He's not a Lakers player, but, like, I've just had to find a way to slide him in there. <laughs> like, at T-Mac, because I'm also from Florida, so, like, you know, the, and I went to middle school in Orlando, and, like, I just really looked up to him just with his his business acumen and the endorsement deals, and he was kind of, like, up there with – and, of course, Iverson. Um, those are, like, some of my play, favorite players of all time. Of course, Michael Jordan, but, like, I kind of – but growing up, I wanted to root for the underdog. I've always been that way. So, like, when people, when everybody was loving Michael Jordan, I was, like, immediately, like, a Kobe stan. You know, when everybody was, like, loving Iverson, I was immediately a Tracy McGrady stan. Like, I always, since a kid, rooted for the underdog. You know, I just caught me a Nick Van Exel Lakers jersey. Like, I always like that that Lakers team with Van Exel and um, Eddie Jones be, like, before Kobe and Shaq really, like, dominated. Yeah. So, like, those like his teams. That's a great, and I think that's one of Hov's um, um, favorite players too. I've heard mentioned mm-hmm. by him. So yeah, you. Hey man, so like, do you think the Lakers are going all the way this year? They they got your boy Westbrook. Um, I think breaking shots. If they don't go, it'll be so embarrassing for to be a Lakers fan because that team is supercharged. It's almost kind of like I kind of wish it wasn't so like it's supercharged like. If they don't go all the way, it's just embarrassing at that point. You guys got you um um you guys have my guy Melo on the team, so like I'm hoping you guys win. Come on, man! We got LeBron, Melo, Westbrook. Like it'll be so embarrassing. <laughs> like at one point, the conversation was like, "Who is the greatest like new player of all time?" Is it LeBron and Carmelo? Like remember when it was like the LeBron Carmelo um comparison? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, them to be playing on the same team, like, and then Westbrook to even, if you ask the right person, some people might tell you Westbrook is their favorite player in the NBA. So it's like a super chart. It's like, a, it's like the Avengers. Like, what is this going to be the um, Avengers 2 when they don't win? It's like, and we got to wait for the <laughs> game actually happens. Like, they have to win. They have to bring it. Nah, yeah, big facts. It, it has to be this year because Bron, he don't have too many good years left and the same for Melo too. Exactly. It has to be. It has to be. All right, man. So, like, before we go, we have to talk about your sneaker rotation. Like, what's your um rotation looking like these days? Bruh, I will make you – I was so excited to do this because I will make you so proud. I, like, literally mm-hmm. went – so, once my album was done, I kind of – you know, like, I, I kind of – I kind of bum it out like while I'm working on an album because you don't really have time to keep up with what's coming out sometimes. You do what you can. Um, mm-hmm. You don't really have to obviously be so focused on the music. I like really am careful about what I eat, what I drink. So when my album was done, I like went on like a, this little Easter egg hunt and like I wanted to make sure I tracked down all the impossible sneakers to get like just shit that'll make motherfuckers want to throw up. But <laughs> like when they <laughs> You know, when I step out, because now I'm doing promo, and I love fashion. Um, so actually, I'm going to unplug, because I just want to, this ain't about me. This is about, I'm, I'd rather show you than tell you and see if you identify um, what they right. are. Um, hold on, my crib is a little messy. My cleaning lady was supposed to come today. She uh, she was going to come around the same time as this. So I was like, okay, let's just come in the morning. But I'm sure you're familiar. Yes, sir. The Union Force. Okay, exactly. 
Okay, what else we got? We got no, that's a big boy purchase right there. No, a big boy purchase, but it gets the, the purchases get bigger. That's an even bigger boy purchase. <laughs> I, I told you. I'm not <laughs> fucking around, bro. Mm-hmm. I told you I was gonna make you proud, man. Of course, you are, and it gets bigger. <laughs> yeah. Are we still on it? Because look, I'm telling you, I told you when I came up out of the joint. Oh, the Travs? Yep. Like the off-white joints, like I would be scared to wear that outside just because somebody would like step on it or just do something. Because I'd be trying to bring it back to the love of it all rather than, you know, how it's just gotten so hypey and motherfuckers don't enjoy their shoes. I'd be trying to let people see me enjoy them. And they'd be like, what is wrong with you? And I'm just like, (laughs) bring it back to, I always love these. I don't wear them as much as I thought I would wear them, but like I love having Mm -hmm. them for a moment where I could like fuck with them. Um now nah, you good with them off white, the off white ones. Yep. Well it, it's more. Of course, I got these joints. Damn, I just fucking cut myself. Of course, these that's, yep, that's another good Travis Scott's. I wanna I want you to after we get off this podcast, Up I want you to tell everybody ones. I want you to tell everybody Elijah Blake got the hardest sneaker collection of anybody that's been on your show. Because <laughs> I know for a fact I got to. That's it. You won. <laughs> Tell me. I don't got, I'm not killing everybody that's been on the show. The Balenciagas, Nike D, I was trying to track these. I had a little help from, it's cool because like my Instagram throughout the years, I've been evolving in fashion and I have played with street style. So sometimes if I can't find something or it's like the resale is just crazy, my stylist has, shout out to Nike, he has hit him up and be like, yo, Elijah really rocks with you. And they'll be like, there have been times when like we really rock with Elijah, and I couldn't find these, and they sent these to me. So shout out to Nike for that. I really love those. Um, I, I I'm obsessed with obsessed with Sakai's. So like I got almost. So you like basically blended. a hype beast now. I love, <laughs> bro. I love Sakai's. Like, let me see. I I feel like I got all the Sakai's. Um, <laughs> Nike sent me these, so shout out to them. I, I didn't even know those had dropped yet. Um, and of course, No ID got me these, and I still rock these every now and then. It was a classic, man. You gotta, yep. So regardless, when I first signed with him, he got me those joints. So yeah, man, I'm kind of that's like my main rotation. I would say it's not too shabby. Man, that's basically showing off, man. <laughs> yes. Man, you man, you got prime brawn, prime mellow, prime Westbrook. <laughs> that's what I was saying, man. I want when you post this, to please let everybody know of all the niggas that have been on this show, Eliza got the hardest sneaker collection. All right. So which rapper do you think has the best sneaker collab? And I want to say this without going with the obvious choice, but I want to think of whose shoes I really enjoy the most. Um, I would think culturally, culturally, it has it has to be Yeezy because the different silhouettes that have come out and that is still just changed. It changed the shoe silhouette, like literally, like how people design shoes and the framing of it has changed since Yeezy made that impact. But I would say right now. The most fun ones are Travis. Travis is having the most fun with uh, 
Mm-hmm. What would you say? To me, right now is 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 Travis Scott. Like I have most of them. There's like two of them I'm still looking for. They're kind of out of my price range now, and like it's kind of unfortunate what happened at his concert a few weeks ago. But if they decide to cancel him for a month and the price of his shoes go down, I'm getting them. I am sick of you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you thinking like the niggas on Wall Street because it's all those things, unfortunately, play a part in it. Mm-hmm. Where there's chaos, it's opportunity. Exactly, exactly, man. But I'm praying for Travis, man. I'm praying for the family yeah, that have been affected. That story about the nine-year-old, man, is just heartbreaking. All right, so it looked like you're a creative guy. Like, what would an Elijah Blake, ex Nike or Adidas or Puma, whoever collab look like? It would be honestly, it would be innovative. I would want to change how people look at shoes, and um, like I'm flat footed, so like there are certain things I would put into for people who um, I, I'm, I've noticed that that's more of a common thing than not, uh, you know. Um, but it's not so far-fetched to think that everybody doesn't have perfect, like, uh, arches in their feet. But, yeah, man, I, it would definitely be something fun and something, like, innovative. And that would that would stand out from everything, just like how Yeezy's made us feel, but also as fun as a Travis Lab. And, like, I would, I would like to partner with higher brands, like how the Dior and stuff, like, because I love, even when I dress, right, I love, I might have a jacket that's Louis Vuitton, but it's going to be, like, a, $5 shirt from the flea market that I just like the graphics on it. And it might be some, some just some jeans that I that I kept from my childhood from Florida that I just rock with, but then with some Balenciaga trainers or something, you know what I mean? So I love the high and low concept. Um, so I would love to do like a collaboration with like mixing those two, the expensive culture, the expensive side of culture versus like the more, um, hip-hop side of culture if that makes any sense it makes perfect sense man and you just showed us the do1s um i mean like to me honestly all right i would wear them but it wouldn't be outside it has to be like indoors like people can't be like no more than three feet from me big facts bro i put those i squeeze those into my travel bag i travel with them i fly with them i like them wow man yeah, I really use my sneakers, man. And they were still there when you um, got off your flight? Yeah. Thank God. About it. You know what? I don't um, ever check bags because I know what I'm coming mm-hmm. with. Like, it doesn't leave my sight. I will say that's the furthest I will go in terms of, like, I, my whole entire life, I've never checked a bag. When I go on tour. You know, and, like, just wearing those shoes in the airport, I would be scared to take them off going through security because, like, I don't crease my shoes, so. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Like, stuff like that is, like, a gift and a curse happening. Yeah, I, I, I crease them because I feel like it has the character. And it says something about a motherfucker who is going to crease up some woods. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to get them out, I'll, I'll show you how after. Oh, for sure, for sure. Oh, yeah, please. How do you get the creases up? By putting towels in them? Yeah, you um, you get an iron, you put it on the lowest setting, you get, like, a warm towel, you wet it, mm-hmm. and then you, um, you put the towel over the creases, and then you damp it out with the iron. Ah, uh, got it. That, and that works for once. 
and you put the you put the you put something I'm sure in inside of the shoe to hold the shape. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. You put newspaper, um, tissue, whatever. All right, for sure. Say less. You just bless me. Yeah, man. That's what I do here. <laughs> I'm giving out sneaker gems. Damp towel, and you put it over the sneaker, and then you iron over the damp towel. Yeah, but you like kind of you don't like actually put put like full strength on the yeah, iron, yeah. just kind of damp it out. Just do it with love. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. So um, I want to thank you for joining me today. You know, I really enjoyed this conversation. Now I have to go on Flight Club and, you know, make a purchase I shouldn't be making now. <laughs> um, do you have any upcoming projects that you're working on? Man, this is my main focus. I want to, like I said, the Neon Eon is reminiscent of like what the older products used to make me feel. And I want to work this project for like two years. I want to, I feel like every song in this album is a single, can stand alone in its own right. And I want to be shooting visuals and bringing as much attention to the Neon Eon mm -hmm. as possible. So this is, it's going to be a fun journey. All right, man. And the next time we talk, man, I hopefully the Lakers, you know, all their injuries are out the way. Yeah. And they're on their way to a um, title. Big facts. I know that I'm um, speaking into existence. They're going to get it. They got to. All right, man. Thank you again. Much love.